Chapter Two of the Complete Works of Brand the Iconoclast, Volume One, by William Cowper Brand. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by William Jones. Chapter Two, Charity. Saint Paul says. Quote, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. End quote. So it appears that chin music without charity is not calculated to pay very large dividends in the interesting ultimate, that a man may be full of faith and pregnant with prophecy and chock-a-block with knowledge and redolent of religious mystery, that he may leak sanctification in the musical accents of an angel and still be nothing, a pitiful hole in the atmosphere, a chimera, circulating in a vacuum and foolishly imagine itself a man but what is charity you people who have prayers and bible readings before breakfast while your hearts vibrate between holiness and hash between christ and the cook should know but it's dollars to doughnuts you don't you probably imagine that when you present your out-of-fashion finery to your poor relations, then wait for a vote of thanks or a resolution of respect, that when you permit a tramp to fill a long-felt want with cold victuals in your cupboard which even your pug-dog disdains, that the recording angel wipes the tears of joy from his eyes with his wing-feathers and gives you a page, while all heaven gets gay because of your excessive goodness. Well, that's because your religious education has been sadly neglected. If you would read the Bible and the iconoclast newspaper, with more care, you couldn't make such mistakes. St. Paul says, and as the country preacher remarked, I fully agree with him, quote, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. In other words, a man can't draw on his bank account for the price of a corner lot in the New Jerusalem. He cannot acquire so much as a soup-house ticket in that city, not made with hands, by dying for the faith in the auto de fe. Almsgiving and charity may have no more affinity than the philosophy of Plato and the political conversation of a Paul Parrot. Have you ever made the acquaintance of that idea? If not, I advise you to exchange visiting cards with it before you forget its address. It is not a brandism, I beg to state. It is part of the Pauline theology. It is strictly orthodox. There's not a single heretical sign warning you to keep off the grass. Almsgiving 
and even the martyr's fiery death may be animated solely by hope of heavenly reward or terrestrial fame by unadulterated selfishness may be regarded as a good investment too many people give to the poor only because it's lending to the lord and they expect standard oil stock dividends they drop a plugged nickel in the slot expecting to pull out a priceless crown of gold they expect the lord to present them with a full suit of heavenly raiment in exchange for a cold potato or pair of frazzled pantaloons i want no partnership with a man who tries to beat the god of the jews in a trade some of you wealthy men who like dives fare sumptuously every day may donate a hundred dollars to relieve the distress of the people of star county i hope you will if given unostentatiously and not for advertising purposes or in hope of a heavenly reward it will constitute an act of charity but not of the highest noblest type for it will cost you no great sacrifice it is just as well however to have a receipt for such a gift to show st peter if it does not enable you to divide abraham's bosom with lazarus the beggar it may save you from the post-mortem discomfort of dives the two mites cast into the treasury by the poor widow or balanced all the gifts of those who gave their abundance and a cup of cold water may carry with it more of true charity more of the spirit of the prince of peace than the largesse of the proudest plutocrat during the civil war a grisly old yankee sergeant and a young confederate soldier both badly wounded lay near each other between the lines while above their prostrate forms the fierce flood of metal swept back and forth a whistling screaming hurricane of death the sergeant had lain long unconscious and he awoke racked with fever and perishing with thirst do any of you know the horror of that thirst which gunshot wounds abetted by a blazing summer sun and the stifling fumes of powder smoke produce it is the concentrated agony of hell thirst will break the courage of the bravest even great caesar upon whose imperial brow fear was afraid to sit cried for a drink like a sick girl the sergeant found his canteen almost empty just a few spoonfuls left drops more precious to him than all the gold of ophir than all the pearls of ind he was lifting the canteen to his parched lips when his neighbor begged to share it he glanced at the gray uniform and hesitated the confederate was but a boy and in his breast there stood a broken bayonet the sergeant crawled over to him amid the plunging shot and shell tain't much johnny and i'm dry as a mackerel but i'll whack up he divided the precious drops with rigid impartiality and gave the young confederate his portion then he raised the canteen to his own lips but again he hesitated the landscape swam before his eyes the pounding of the great guns fell but faintly upon his ear the angel of death had set his seal upon the bronzed brow 
he handed the canteen to his companion untasted. Take the rest of it, Johnny. I kinder guess I won't miss it long. Yet we imagine we are wonderfully charitable if we give a few dollars from our abundance to feed the starving or send our cast clothing to the relief society. Charity is not a virtue you can measure in money. Its abiding place is not in the vest pocket. Its home is the heart and not the little two-by-four dog-kennel heart either. It only takes up its abode where there is a mighty temple in which to circulate itself and make grand music that rolls and reverberates through all eternity. A temple flooded with God's own sunshine and peopled with beautiful thoughts and noble aspirations. A temple whose spires pierce the highest heaven and whose foundations are broad and deep as humanity. Such is the home of charity, queen of all the virtues. Here St. Paul, quote, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Now do you comprehend what charity really is? It is toleration. It is kindness. It is humanity. It is truth. It is the spirit of God made manifest in man. He that gives liberally to the poor, to the church, to education, to the campaign fund, yet says to his brother, Thou fool, because he's followed off after a different political folly, or differs from him on the doctrine of transubstantiation, is not staggering about under a load of charity calculated to give him flat feet. The supreme test of a charitable mind is toleration for the opinions of others, an admission that perchance we do not know it quite all. It is much easier to give a five-dollar bill to a beggar than to forgive a brother who rides his pitiless logic over our prejudices. The religious world has contributed countless millions to feed the hungry and clothe the naked, but has never forgiven Tom Paine for brushing the Bible contemptuously aside and looking through nature, up to nature's God. Perhaps some future age will do justice to the memory of the man whose daring pen we are so largely indebted for those dearly prized privileges of free government, to the ablest advocate of human liberty the world has known, and whose piety was deep and fervent as that of St. Paul himself. But that cannot be until the freedom for which he toiled and prayed extends to the mind as well as the body, until the shackles are stricken from the brain as well as the hand, until the sun of knowledge dispels the empoisoned mists of ignorance and divine charity dethrones unreasoning hate. Then will the infidel freely concede that Servetus' murder was rather the fault of his age than Calvin's crime, and the Christian will find in pain, if not a guide, at least a learned philosopher and a loyal friend. Charity assumes as many shapes as Prospero's busy sprite. I was once waiting for a train in a small Missouri town 
where everybody turns out to see the keers come in. A big, blustering fellow, well filled with booze, was making himself generally obnoxious, and the village constable approached him kindly and tried to quiet him. Instead of subsiding, the boozer whipped out a big six-shooter and began blazing away at the representative of the peace and dignity of the state. The constable threw his hand to his hip, but instead of pulling his gun, sprang forward, disarmed the hoodlum, cracked him over the head with his own battery, and sent him about his business. The officer looked as shamed after the melee as though he had stolen a sheep or scratched the democratic ticket. I remarked that he had taken unnecessary chances. "'What would you have done, mister?' he inquired. I replied that I would have filled that fellow's hide so full of holes that it couldn't be stuffed with straw. "'Well,' he said slowly, "'I come pretty nigh doing it, but I just thought as how twouldn't Jim a shootin' but his jag, and then I seemed to see his kids a-hangin' on the gate a-waitin' for him to come home, and his wife worritin' about him, and I just couldn't do it. I took chances for them.' involuntarily i removed my hat i felt that i was in the presence of a god-created king you're a philanthropist i said i don't know what them air may be mister said he but i'm glad jim's gone home alive damn glad that was the charity of the broadest deepest kind that ever held its godlike sway in the human soul a charity that will brave death itself rather than wring the heart of helpless woman or cloud the sunny face of childhood with the orphan's tears charity never faileth but whether there be prophecies they shall fail whether there be tongues they shall cease whether there be knowledge it shall vanish away charity never faileth the real article will stand the most crucial test is never weighed and found wanting it never persecutes because of honest difference of opinion it never backcaps or boycotts it turns a deaf ear to the tongue of scandal and heals the hurts made by the poisoned arrows of hate charity suffereth long and is kind its supreme example is given us from the cross father forgive them they know not what they do Prophecies fail, tongues are forgotten, and knowledge fades like the evening sunlight before the dusky wing of night. But charity endureth forever. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, and the greatest of these is charity. Faith is founded upon fallible human judgment. A man believes thus and so, not necessarily because it is so, but because his head is built on a particular pattern or has had a peculiar class of phenomena filtered through it. The average human head, like an egg or a crock of clabber, absorbs the flavor of its surroundings. It is chiefly a question of environment whether we grow up Democrats or Republicans, Protestants or Catholics, Mormons or religious mugwumps. As a man's faith is inherited or formed for him by circumstances, he deserves little more credit or blame, therefore, than for the color of his hair or the size of his ears. 
Hope is fancy's child, oft branded as an illegitimate, yet esteemed above and beyond all the royal progeny of the proudest intellect, enshrined in the sanctum sanctorum, the veritable holy of holies of the human heart. Hope is not a virtue, it is but a rainbow with which fancy paints the black or hanging firmament, a golden shaft of sunlight with which she gilds life's rugged mountain peaks, a melody most divinely sweet with which she cheers the fainting soul of man. But greater than faith, greater than knowledge, brighter than the star of hope which gilds the cradle and illumes the grave, is charity. For tis the incarnation of heavenly law, the bright essence increate of eternal love. End of chapter 2 Charity